homebrewers weigh in. The AHA picks for 2019 best beers are in. What's better for breakfast than cereal and beer? The dankest IPA or the dankest, well, dank. The shoot says, why not both? It's all beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, industry news, craft beer happenings. If this podcast was a beer, we'd be an old-school IPA. Bitter as fuck, but strangely irresistible. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Did you enjoy that? I, think, I did. I feel like we need to have shirts made up just with that. <laughs> We're like an old-school Northwest IPA. <laughs> Bitter but lovable. <laughs> That's that's gonna be our merch. That's that's the first merch coming out when we're when we make it big. We're taking pre-sale. Make the checkout to cash. <laughs> How are you doing these days? Oh, doing pretty good. Sorry, I wasn't able to make it last week. Had to work. But yeah, apparently so. you were busy doing your job, which is just yeah. goddamned inconvenient for I, I this know. podcast. Um, quit and just sit here and let's just. Last wait. week was fucking hectic, so <laughs> I'm glad to be done. We did have a uh, we did have a guest we wanted to bring on, but unfortunately, right beforehand, he lost the ability to speak, and kind of hard to do a fucking podcast if you can't speak. It's kind of a deal breaker for this medium, unfortunately. But that's okay. Uh, we'll uh, we'll bring him on at some point in time this summer when uh, when we're when we're taking a little break. But uh, in the meantime, what are we drinking today? Uh we're. So you actually brought some Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which I gotta say, I haven't had in a long-ass fucking time. Neither had I, but um, one of our top stories that we mentioned is that the AHA uh, uh, top beers are in, and Sierra Nevada won third overall. Nice. And so it seemed like a, I had not had it in a while either, so it seemed uh, revi- worth revisiting. I mean, when I originally first had it, I was never the biggest fan of it, uh, but now having it... It's a solid pale ale. I, it's grown more on me. Um, I the floral quality really comes out that I f- kind of miss about Cascade hops. It was the big hop at one point in time, rarely used except for almost a bittering hop now. But it's got this really nice floral characteristic. You're right. It's very very drinkable. It's still got a little bit of caramel, but a nice even bitter. It's yeah. It's nice to rediscover like a really solid, uh, really solid beer. Now, because of this, I kind of want to go get a bottle of uh, Anchor's uh, Liberty Pale Ale because it's single hop Cascade hop pale ale, and I dug the shit out of it when I was first getting into craft beer. So now I kind of want to go track down a bottle. Well, there we go. We're just gonna like dive into a bunch of old favorites. From here on out, we're going throwback on fucking Thursdays. Fuck you and your hazy IPAs. Yeah. We're going. We're rocking some old school pale ales, some Northwest IPAs. No fat tire though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck fat tire. Jeremy said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's kind of dive into this first story that you had from the AHA. So, uh, like I said, the AHA, the American Homebrewers Association, Enzyme Mergery, uh, came out with their every year. They come out with their list of the best beers, um, as judged by their uh, by their members, and it's more or less as you would expect. Um, Bell's won number one. Bell's Two Hearted IPA, um, solid IPA. It won uh, first for now the three year three years running. Um, they first they it's been them and Pliny beating it out uh, since twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen twenty no twenty fifteen. It's now three years twenty sixteen is. Three years ago. Yeah. I, I can do math. Mm, it's fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, and 20 years ago, 
is almost 2000 now, not 1980. I'm so slap the <laughs> stupid off you. <laughs> um, three years ago, uh, Bell's Two Hearted beat out Pliny uh, for the first time. Pliny the Elder uh, was uh, number one for a number of years. It's now number two, as we mentioned. Sierra Nevada number three. Uh, it's always it's always been in the top, but uh, it's it seemed the the sudden climb kind of surprised me. But other than that, uh, it's not nothing that you wouldn't really. Nothing that really surprised me. Uh, but they also did a breakdown by state, and I saw some interesting things there. Idaho loved Mike's Hard Lemonade? Um, no, but <laughs> Idaho did love something weird. So <laughs> What'd they dig on? We'll, we'll get there. So I, um, I think was the first interesting thing was is that, as you'd expect, you kind of see regional styles in play. Um, your maltier uh, porters or your uh, amber ales were more likely to... To get somewhere, to be a top in a Midwest state or somewhere, um, IPAs dominated all over the map. But yeah, the only sour that won in any state, Idaho. Woo! Um, congratulations to Barbarian Brewing for their Ragnarok was voted the uh, best beer in Idaho by the American Homebrewers Association. Uh, nice job, guys. That's a solid beer, too. Yes, it is. It's it's cool to see them get a little bit of recognition. They're always one of the... Uh, we should have got a fucking crowler of it, you asshole. Well, this was on the way home. Oh. They weren't. <laughs> Fair enough. God damn, you were never happy. No. Um, I'd complain about the rope you hung me with. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing was, is this kind of comes back to Sierra Nevada, I was surprised to see how many pale ales... Uh, led the list on top beer of each state. Um, of course, Zombie Dust won in Indiana. Nice. Um, although that's... I've never considered that a, a true pale as much as a kind of a smoother IPA. I always thought it was an IPA. I thought Gumball Head was their pale. See, Gumball Head is their wheat beer, but it's amazing. Oh, okay. Um, it's the... it's. I think the only, like, wheat beer I get really excited about. It's fucking delicious, so. I don't know how they coax that flavor from those from that beer, but it's some kind of alchemy, and I want it, always. Um, Minnesota with their extra pale ale. Washington, D.C. had a pale ale. Um, West Virginia as well. Um, you also get to see some really strange, like, regional powerhouses. Uh, Nebraska Brewing, one out of Bell Bellevue, Nebraska, one for their Belgian ale, which... Always annoys me because I literally lived like down the street from Nebraska Brewing when I lived in Nebraska, and I went a couple of times, but I don't think I appreciated it for what it really is because it's. I see their beer, or they took off after you left Nebraska. I think they were fairly well. I, it's hard to tell. I can't, I don't remember seeing them anywhere when I was traveling, but um, probably that. I'm gonna I'm gonna console myself with I knew them before they were got big, so. Because you moved back here, what, four or five years ago? I moved in, back in 2015. Yeah, 20, four years ago. No, 24, yeah, 2015. 2014, 2014, so, because we started at the homebrew shop together in November of 2014. I'm at the age where everything after 2000 is just running together now. No, so. so am I. It, well, welcome then. It's uh, it's it's nice to be part of the club. Um, but I'm like half your age, so it's really fucking terrible. Go fuck yourself, Gumby. <laughs> Um, Bomb, of course, won from Prairie in Oklahoma because what the fuck else is going to win in Oklahoma? Yeah. Um, Melvin won for 2x4 in Wyoming. Um, and the other interesting thing was, I thought it was cool, there were some legacy breweries still winning on flagships. Oregon's uh, top beer was Fresh Squeeze from the Chutes. 
That beer's fucking everywhere. Uh, yeah, but it's it's and it was like number five, I think, overall. Oh damn! So it top. I'm assuming California, Sierra Nevada. No, Pliny the Elder, since it won uh, number true. one. But yeah. still, I mean, they've been producing Pliny the Elder since forever. Yeah, uh, it's one of their flagships. Um, Montana was Moose Drool, and uh, West or sorry, Virginia, with all the stuff going down there, is uh, Devil's Backbone's Vienna Lager, which. Not only the only logger that I saw. Well, no, I scratched that. I saw a I saw a Bach on that list, but um, the only Vienna logger, and I love Vienna logger, and I still not got my hands on this, and I, now I really, really want. Might have to go to Virginia. I said nobody ever, but you might be right. <laughs> as long as you don't hear banjos, you'll be fine. That's West Virginia. Totally different. Oh. <laughs> totally different. But uh, yeah, it's that was. Just some interesting, interesting things, but mostly it's the uh, who's who of who's producing the hoppiest beers. Yeah, I, I'm not too surprised at pale ale being kind of popular because I feel with the hazy IPAs it has kind of pulled along pale ales as well because pale ales were always a little more sessionable than your flagship Northwest bitter IPA. Fair, and I and that the industry has been going in that direction where people have been scaling back on the alcohol. They've been looking for something more drinkable, and pale ales, when they're done well, are this beautiful blend of drinkable yet hoppy. I feel like most of them push the hops too far, that they're essentially session IPAs. You know what one of my favorite ones is? Dale's Pale Ale. And I haven't had it in a while, but... It's been a while, but... We may have to do a whole throwback episode of just flagship pale ales. Alright, let's do this. So... All right, put that on the docket. We'll uh, maybe we'll we'll do that before we cash out for the summer. It's a good idea. All right, Tyler, what's next? Uh so what's next is breakfast. Scrolling through the interwebs the other day, I saw Geek.com put out an article. Um, there is a brewery called Seven Brothers Brewery, and instead of a T in brothers, there's a seven. So, uh, has released uh, three new beers made with upcycled Kellogg cereal. Uh, so apparently Kellogg, uh, when they're going through like their Rice Krispie uh, cereal and their Cocoa Krispie and Corn Flakes and all that, if they're overcooked or misshaped or wrong size, they just discard it. How well, do you misshape a Rice Krispie? I have no fucking clue. Okay, fair enough. But, uh, and apparently this isn't the first time. Uh, last December, they did a throwaway IPA uh, that they collaborated with with BrewDog. Uh, and did a milkshake IPA with cornflakes that were rejected for being too large, too small, or overcooked. That's uh, the same reason I've been rejected a lot in my life. <laughs> Heard that. Uh, so the three beers that they're doing right now are the Sling It Out Stout, Cast Off Pale Ale, and then the thro- another version of the Throwaway IPA. I've always wanted to do a... Well, we, we talked at one point in time about doing a, let's call it lawnmower fuel... With cereal. Yes. And I still... I, a very real part of me still wants to do a, a, a Lucky Charms Irish whiskey. It's magically uh, delicious. <laughs> or an Irish stout. I Although, mean, if I'm thinking about it now, I feel like there's some chemicals in the dye that, through the distillation process... Might kill you. It might not be ideal. And one of the three people that originally talked about doing the cornflake one actually went and did it. That's true. I forgot. Yes. Shout out for jo- to Josh for uh, not using rice flakes and then having a soupy, goopy fucking mess and being pissed off. Sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, we kind of left you out to dry on that one. <laughs> in the Throw It Out Stout, uh, they use Cocoa Krispies. So that sounds amazing, actually. I, I, I want it. That. Logically fits in a stout. Yeah. So I was, and then the Rice Krispies were in the Double Dry Hopped Pale Ale, and then they also brought back the original Throwaway IPA. So with these here, the Two new ones are 5.5% ABV, so just nice sessionable beers. And it's just uh, uniqueness of drinking a beer made with cereal. I remember, was it Black Bottle out of Fort Collins that did a stout where they dry hopped with Count Chocula and bought all of Fort Collins out of Count Chocula. People were pissed and writing letters to General Mills, and then General Mills got a hold of the brewery and was like, hey... How about next year you guys just call us? We'll send you your own pallet of this <laughs> cereal because we don't want you buying it up from everyone. They literally <laughs> sent employees to every like grocery store to buy it up. So That that just sounds like one of those things that you that, that you only a, a craft brewer does. That that just that's something quintessentially craft beer about that where somebody else where you go, "All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you guys out Buy all the Count Chalky you can. Bring it back here. Here's the company cards. Bring the receipts. After everybody, after it's all said and done and you've pissed off everybody in the neighborhood, General Bill says, you could call us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we would sell you a pallet. <laughs> because, I mean, that be, that cereal's a super seasonal release yeah. around Halloween. And once it's gone, it's gone. And people fucking fight over that shit. I will never understand it, but yes, they... they Although Count Chocolate is a fucking delicious cereal, so... I, as far as... It's way better than Booberry. <laughs> I have no opinion. I, it's been so long since I had cereal that I uh, I got nothing. So it had been a while, and then when I saw that article, I was like, well... Don't tell me you've had some Count Chocula just hanging around your house. No, I, I went and got a box, because was, that was right around the time that cereal came out, and so I was grocery shopping, and I saw that, and I was like, I need to buy this. I haven't had this since I was a kid. Let's see if it's as good as I remember. It's as good as you remember. Yeah, it's pure sugar. I'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> It's got all the fermentables already in it, so you don't even have to match it, really. Uh, cleaning that kettle would be a fucking bitch. Uh, yeah. Again, sorry, Josh, about that. <laughs> Weed versus beer news now. We've discussed a couple of times on this podcast that the beer industry as a whole is shrinking. Craft beer, still showing, showing some modest growth. But beer as a whole is going away, or at least shrinking. And there's a few reasons for this uh, that we've discussed. Um... The wine, spirits, and? Well, the one we haven't really discussed is the fact that weed is legal in several states. And people are, there's no, I've not found any hard data on this, but there is a theory that people are not drinking as much beer because they are getting, how do you put it, baked out of their tiny little minds. So, um, and this article comes from uh, Craft Business Daily, and actually uh, Erica uh, sent this on to us. Thank you very much. She's a big fan of the show. Um, Deschutes Brewing out of Bend, Oregon started a new marketing campaign last month to capitalize on what, uh, what they call, quote, the healthy tension between cannabis and beer. Um, they have reportedly spent more on this campaign than they have on any other, uh, camp, uh, marketing campaign up to this point. Um, they have a few videos out right now. Um, a few feature like a Martha Stewart-esque character and... And the reason for that is, and I did not know this, Martha Stewart now works as an advisor for Canopy Growth. 
which is like one of the biggest marijuana producers in the country. Why am I not surprised she's baking up fucking edibles? This is this is the world we live in. I mean, I kind of want to go back to myself ten years ago. And Martha say, Stewart was in jail ten years that's ago. That's what I want to get say. over it. <laughs> that's what I want to say is like, hey, by the way, in like ten years, Donald Trump is president, and Martha Stewart's uh, advising a can a cannabis uh, company. So that's the world you're going to live in. It's those prison connects, man. <laughs> It's it's weird out there, but uh, anyway. So these Mar- so these commercials fe- feature a Martha Stewart esque character who lovingly combines her famously dank stevia space cakes with the shoots fresh squeezed. Um, and actually, we're gonna take a little break here and watch a few of those and get uh, Tyler's opinion as the mark as our in house marketing expert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's watch them. Ever wonder what we do in the Pacific Northwest when we're not hitting the chronic? We drink beer. You see, beer is a frothy fusion of hops and grains. My favorite is Deschutes. They make a potpourri of tantalizing flavors. It's the super dank refreshment when you're not token the reefer. That's why Deschutes is the beer of choice in the land of recreational cannabis. Famously dank sativa space cakes. Edibles are such a treat. <laughs> but what I really love are my drinkables. My favorite is Deschutes. It's the beer of choice in the land of recreational cannabis. <sighs> All right. So, um, I don't know. Tyler, as our marketing expert, uh, what do you think? I like the commercials. It's a fun little spin. It's not your typical commercial. Uh, I'm curious to see how much it actually does to bring people in because... More than anything, that commercial seems like it's trying to build brand awareness. But who in the Northwest doesn't know who the fuck Deschutes is? I would say that it's A, brand awareness, and B, reminding people that you're there, which I think is the bigger hill to cross right now. Yeah. Um, because, with especially with Oregon, with all their breweries, you kind of sometimes have to remind people, hey, you know, we're one of the first, and we're still one of the solid ones. Yeah, true. Uh, and then also, I know I've seen some tweets uh i follow bart watson on twitter uh the chief economist for the brewers association uh and i know he's done some research uh and i can't remember exactly but i want to say there's been several times where i've seen him that he's actually broke down the numbers and breweries aren't necessarily losing out to weed it's actually kind of helping in those states where it's legal you think um and I'd have to go back. If I would have known we were going to talk about this, I would have tried to pull up some of the tweets. But Fair enough. Well, uh, hey, next time. Yeah. Uh, Damn it, Tyler. Be prepared. Fuck, right? <laughs> Spring this on me in the last second, Jeremy. Uh, but no, uh, where he's actually talked that like the bigger breweries that everyone looks at to see if they're losing market share to weed are actually losing it to smaller breweries where the weed's actually kind of helping. Well, and I think there's... Clearly a crossover between your beer nerds and let's call them their herbal aficionados. And I don't think you have to go far into a brewery and sniff the air before you realize that's not always hops you're smelling. Yeah. <laughs> there are a couple of brewers uh, uh, locally that are, you know, very, very much into the, their personal inspiration. But I, oh, I think the ads are fun and there's their, uh, their, the message is, hey, you know what's really good when you're baked off your gourd? Beer. Beer is always good. Uh, the one thing that did, and both Jeremy and I brought it up, is the one commercial where the lady's pouring out of a <laughs> fucking bottle, and then all of a sudden she has a draft system under her counter. That's really good weed, dude. <laughs> Fuck, right? Um, 
But since there is such a crossover, I, the article goes on to speculate whether Deschutes or any brewery might dabble in, let's call it something dank. Um, Gary Fish, the uh, founder of Deschutes, uh, told uh, Craft Brewers Daily, um, quote, I'd be surprised if there weren't a lot of breweries in the West that haven't at least had the discussion. Um, and about Deschutes specifically, he added, uh, it's, a challenging, it's a challenging thing for us because we recognize what's coming. He went on to say that we are limited as by our existing relationships and what we can do. A, a great non-answer from Mr. Fish there, but um, I don't know. If you, had to, if you had to put money on it, what's the first brewer you say like launches their own line of weed? Their own line of weed or their own THC-infused drinks? Their own line of weed, because I know there's already breweries releasing THC-infused drinks. Uh, That's already a thing. One of them you're wearing the shirt for. Oh, yeah. That, this was one of my top picks. Anyway, uh, yes. Lagunitas uh, released a THC-infused drink. There's no actual alcohol in it. It's just THC. It's like a hop THC beer, but that's alcohol-free. You get the effect from the THC. Uh, I know Oscar Blues did a beer with D.C. Brow when both Colorado and District of Columbia legalized weed called Smells Like Freedom, where they... I can't remember if they dry hopped it with something or if they just picked all the hops that smelled as close as they could. Um, but there's also like New Belgium with the Hemperer. So my bet would probably be a Colorado brewery. Yes, okay, fair. Right now in front of God and everybody, who's your, who's your pick? Hands on, Oscar Blues, just because they've diversified so much. They have a bike company. They have a coffee company, Hotbox Roasters. Uh, they now have a... Spike Seltzer Company, and then they have their hands on a bunch of different breweries. Okay. Um, my pick, I thought about it. Lagunitas was, I think, the obvious the obvious uh, uh, idea. Speaking of people who famously love their pot. but St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Gotta love it. Um, but here's my, official, uh, here's my official choice. I'm gonna say Rogue, because... They've already got the fucking farms? Exactly. Because they were talking about a completely different discipline. Be, brewing is still brewing... Uh, growing pot is agricultural. It's completely different. But it would take a brewery that already has a foot in that, and Rogue does fucking goddamn everything. They're completely vertically integrated. Yeah. So that's my pick. Is Rogue is the first to do it? You know that's a very good. And if I would, I'm disappointed I didn't think of that. <laughs> uh, nice job, Jeremy. You can't you can't change your answer now, no. asshole. Uh, <laughs> if someone beats Oscar Blues to it, I think. It'll be Rogue. It'll be Rogue. But side tangent, that's also why Rogue's Rolling Thunder. I'm not the biggest fan of the beer. It's solid, not blows my skirt up, but I love the fact that it's so vertically integrated where it's all their grains, all their hops come from them. They then brew it. Then they build the barrels, age their whiskey in it, and then age their beer in the barrel. It is goddamn amazing, but... I mean, it is a very okay barrel-aged beer, but I'm with you. It's just like, Jesus. The fact that you did it all in-house, you built the barrel even. Even the cooper, yeah, that's the part that kind of blowed my mind, is they do the cooperage there. Which, if you get a chance to go to Newport, it's super cool. So, their Newport tap room is right there, and then uh, Rolling Thunder, Barrel Age, and their distillery, all right on the same piece of land right there. There you go, so... Didn't know we were doing a commercial for Rogue, but you're welcome, Rogue. Um, send us beer in in uh, in just gratitude. not the voodoo shit. 
Yes, play or oh god, what was that other one? The sriracha one. Thank you. Yeah, that sriracha one. The bottle was, was fucking sick, but the, the beer was garbage. The beer was the, the the label was awesome, and you know what? The sriracha was the was okay. The background stout was the beer part of that was my problem with it, mm-hmm. which is which were you there when? Um, one of the other co-workers had the little sriracha keychain. Yes. And we put an old Rasputin on Nitro, and it was delicious. It was much better. Yes, I was there <laughs> for that. That was... Uh, that was... So uh, so after doing a, a commercial row, we, we slammed them, so I think we're probably even now. <laughs> Tyler, uh, do you want to go ahead and uh, do the next story before we dig ourselves deeper? Yep. Uh, let's stop digging. Is How many jobs do small craft breweries create per barrel versus large craft breweries? Which... With a brewery popping up on what seems like every street corner in America. It's a great time to be alive. Yeah. With this here, I found this article on craft brewing business, and they kind of break it down. Uh, They consult with Bart Watson from the Brewers Association as well. And uh, they break it down into uh, barrels per jobs of full-time equivalents. So someone who's working part-time, that counts as .5 of a job. Uh, a full-time work week for a full-time employee is one. Uh, so for a brewery producing 100,000-plus barrels a year, they create 1,094 jobs. Damn. Uh, was... 15,000 barrels per year to 100,000, they produce 495 jobs. Less than 15,000 brew pub, they produce 38. Less than 15,000 not brew pub produces 171. Okay. Uh, I think they're also taking into account like distributors and. I was, was going to say I'm trying to think of my uh, of a brewery that size, and I'm like, where would you rewind that? So if they don't have a brew pub, they have how many? Fifteen thousand, not brew pub, not brew pub, hundred seventy one. So that's taking into consideration. I'm, I'm assuming you'd have to double check. But probably because um, there's not 171 people running at a running around a, a brewery that size. There just isn't. Yeah. There's no room. No. So it's probably taking into account distributors and all that. Where with the brew pub, they're assuming that m- the majority of that is actually sold in the brew pub. So that's why it's a smaller. That's a that's a part I'm that I find strange because the brew pub was if they have a brew pub, it's how many? They don't specifically specify whether they're taking into account like distributor staff uh but they do break it down a little bit further because under fifteen thousand barrels that's a lot of fucking beer yeah i, uh, I guess you come think of it fifteen thousand is still a pretty large brewery i was gonna um, say i think the biggest one here locally is mother earth and i think they did twelve thousand so that's year. bigger than any brewery in the state of idaho so yes all right um, okay fair enough fair less enough. than a thousand barrels in the brew pub that's 21 jobs so between under 15,000, 38, so I'm assuming between a thou- zero and a 1,000, there's 21. So between 21 and 15,000, you only add 17 more jobs. Huh. Well, that sort of makes sense because mm-hmm. I wouldn't think you need much more staff between those two. You need a head brewer. You might need a few extra salespeople because at that point in time... But you're now with the brew pub, it's more going to be bar staff. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not brew pub under a thousand is sixty four jobs per barrel or sixty four jobs. Um, so with this here, it goes from one hundred seventy one to sixty four. So you're adding almost a hundred jobs to get up from that one thousand to fifteen thousand. So I'm assuming it's distributor staffing as well. So that's a distributor, merchandiser, delivery guy, 
sales rep from the distributor, Fair sales enough. rep from the brewery. You're stacking. Although, I don't know. It seems like you could, they might be counting those, but at the same time, I feel that that's part of the infrastructure. Those people still have a job regardless if their craft beer exists or not. They can they can move Coors Light with the best of them. Yes, but it's not going to be as many jobs. And there are some distributors that only do craft brands. This is true. Um, all right. Um, then they kind need- of broke it down to like looking at some other scales. So one 100,000 barrel brewery equates to 140 jobs. Okay. Uh, six 15,000 barrel breweries equate to... 250 jobs okay so you're making 10,000 barrels less a year between those six breweries but you're creating 90 more or 110 more jobs okay so um and then with a one one million barrel brewery 914 jobs a thousand a thousand barrel breweries 5,800 plus jobs these are per barrel uh, no, I, these are these are total total jobs. Okay, so I'm actually going. Jesus, that's a lot of people. No, no. So this word, okay. So this but is it, it is so when you think about it, more breweries opening up is better. And most craft breweries, they say, you know, we want to make great beer and we want to be able to have our employees have a livable wage. And that I think that's the uh, the bottom line here is that craft beer, not only not only that for the most part. I think craft beer is run by people who give a shit, who therefore give at least a, a quarter of a shit about their employees. They are better jobs than may exist otherwise, and it's uh, good for the econ- local economy to the, that this industry is growing up the way it is. Oh, 100%. Uh, and one little side note from the article starting off, the guy was like, you know, why do we measure ourselves in how many barrels did we produce this year? He's like, because we're not, craft beer's not there to try to mass produce. He's like, so how many food on plates did we produce? Right. And I wish it, I mean, the math would be way harder to figure out for every brewery in America how much, but it's a way cooler measure to me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that gives me more hope than, oh, this brewery crested this barrel mark. Okay, cool. Well, if they just streamlined everything and employ five people. When the local brew pub down the road employs 30, but made half as much beer. Clearly, yeah. Clearly a better, a, a net plus for, not only that, not only just the community in general, but uh, I think for local economy. Yeah, 100%. Men are gigantic babies news now. Um, <laughs> That's a fucking lie. <laughs> <laughs> so last year, brew dogs out of Scotland uh, brewed their pink IPA, which was, uh, which... It was part of their Beers for Girls campaign, and one part of the promotion was that anybody who identified as a woman on International Women's Day got 20% off this particular beer. Uh, the discount was was done to raise awareness of the gender pay gap. The brewery's official statement was, quote, men, you pay full price. Reality is, re- reality is really that harsh. All right, so that's the promotion. Oh, fuck Hit and it. So, what's going to happen? Well, in walks Doctor Thomas Bauer, and yes, you can tell already that he's a gigantic he's a douche cr- nozzle because he uses doctor in a non-medical setting. And I come through the story a little bit. There's a picture of him uh, on the story. He looks like what would happen if Terry Pratchett and and uh, Tormund Giantsbane had a love child, and he found Jesus and hated both of them. He <laughs> and he looks like a real penis. <laughs> he's. Look, he just kind of looks like a, like, 
I think I, I think I described it as he looks like a guy who would walk into your brewery, uh, order a beer, and then send it back because it had too many IBUs. Or leave you a one-star Yelp review because Yelpers are fucking twats. Um, somebody, I, somebody who commented on this said, this guy clearly doesn't tip. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> or he tips, like, if it's, he'll leave you a fucking penny or quarter as a tip. Anyway, this, you know, walking disgrace of a penis, um, walked into uh, Brew Dogs, ordered the pink IPA, and when he was informed he would have to pay full price, he threw what is known in the industry as a princess tantrum. The lawsuit actually states that uh, when he was that he was forced to identify as a woman, um, he got finally got the discount. So he got the fucking discount. It sounds like uh, and now he's suing. He's not only suing, but he won. It wasn't even that. All you had to do was walk in and say, "Yep, I got me a vagina." And you get the discount. You didn't even have to say that. You had to say, I identify as a woman. Yeah, it's they didn't, it didn't sound like they asked any questions. You could walk in there, beardy as fuck, and go, yep, I'm a girl. <laughs> and there you go. There's your IPA 20% off. So, I don't know. Um, and they say millennials are fucking <laughs> terrible. He, did, he sued for 1,000 for pounds, which he won, because the, uh, uh, the court's... Ruled in his favor, saying basically, no way that beer was that expensive. <laughs> I don't know where they came up with it. This was this was taking a small claims course. I think that was that was what he uh, charged. Felt his uh, emotional distress. Press, yes, he happened to identify as a woman for about five minutes. Um, then pay full price, you cheap fuck. <laughs> they. The courts ruled in his favor, saying that basically he had to lie about his gender and. Therefore, it was sex discrimination, and it was, quote, an unpleasant experience. Tyler, I think we can both say, without shadow of a doubt, that we've done more degrading things for beer than say, yeah, I'm a chick. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I was really needing a 20% discount, I'd be like, yeah, I identify as a woman. No problem. Wouldn't care. I'm also not a fucking tightwad. I, I'm not sure if this is new about. Tight, I think this guy just went into uh, went into a bar looking for a fight, which is, I mean, this is Scotland, so that's a that's, bad idea. That's almost tradition. Is just walking into a bar looking for a fight. Now he's chose the most prickish way of doing it, as opposed to just walking in the kilt and clubbing somebody with a tire iron. Which, by the way, we're talking about the country where the men wear skirts. It's not that great of a leap, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Fucking A. I think what we're saying, I, I think what we can say without a, a, a shadow of a doubt is, uh, fuck this dude. Yeah. They were trying to do something, albeit to make more money, uh, but good to shed light on the fact that something like, I'm assuming they did 20% because men make 20% more. I believe that's the uh, the idea, yes. Yeah. So they were trying to do something to shed light on an injustice, uh, and this guy... Just decides to be a twat knuckle. <laughs> I'm gonna take a minute with that word twat knuckle. <laughs> I get a fucking life, dude. I hope you somehow find this podcast and walk out in front of a bus because you have nothing better, and that bus is going to regret hitting you because it's a waste of human effort to have to clean your garbage off the front of the bus. <laughs> well, well done. We're seeing where Tyler's buttons are today. Um, I mean, almost gender politics aside, I don't even want to get into get into that. It's just you walk into whatever a brewery wants to do. It's it's 
their business. They want to have a, a discount for whatever reason, fine. You kind of play by its house rules. Yeah. And you know what? I take a little bit of comfort in the fact that even though he won $1,000, which he apparently donated to charity, for both men and women, he was cl- he wanted to uh, point out. Whoop-de-freaking-do, Basil! <laughs> I don't think he can ever walk into this bar again. I, in fact, I mean, he's probably barred, but even if he wasn't, I, I, in my mind... I'd cut him off. You know what? I wouldn't. I'd just stand outside the door and go, like, you can go in. But I'm not going to stop anybody in there from giving you the special sauce. In fact, I've instructed anybody who sees you to whatever you order, take a Bud Light, open it up, pour it out, urinate into it, give it to you, and charge you double. And then you'll lose another thousand pounds. You don't say that. <laughs> no, that's not gender discrimination. It's prick discrimination. You are an asshole, sir. It would be worth it. I think it would be worth a thousand dollars if they would have... Like somehow shot video of him Just like a video of like Say you're a pretty girl I'm not a pretty girl Say you're a pretty girl I'm not a pretty girl Say you're a pretty girl I'm not a pretty girl (laughs) You know how I would have paid him? I would have filled that full of coins Into a muslin sack Put it into a potato gun And been like Hey Ready for your hailstorm (laughs) So And launched it at him (laughs) Oh Well I think that's a I I I think that's about all we can. Uh, uh, this guy's a gigantic douche. No, oh, yeah. I think I think that's the message we're getting here. Um, and it was uh, it was fun uh, a fun little thing to end on. This but, is uh, why we don't have nice things. <laughs> I think it was mostly just to see that Tyler go on that rampage. It was I, I just can't stand people being douches <laughs> unless it's funny. It's kind of funny, but he wasn't being funny. Fair enough. Um, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, Tyler, you got anything to add? No, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> Did y'all want to go on one more tangent there? <laughs> no, uh, you ranted last week. I'll I'll take the rant this week. Well, this has been It's All Beer. Uh, our music to, music today has been... Uh, Retro Future Dirty by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us at Twitter at It's All Beer, Facebook at It's All Beer, and by uh, email at uh, It's All Beer at gmail.com. Uh, keep the uh, recommendations cascading in. We've uh, been loving doing story. If you find a story that you'd like to hear our take on or just hear us go on an incoherent rant about, because that's a thing we do now, which is just. It was going to happen. It was. It's what we. It's what we signed up for. I'm surprised it took us ten, nine or ten episodes to get that far. But well, we started a couple episodes ago. So, but there you go. If you find a story, uh, let us know. And otherwise, um, I think I'll do it for us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Go have a beer. Take care.